0: UX Podcast, episode 197. You're listening to UX Podcast, coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden. We are your hosts, Pat Axbom.
1: And James Roy Lawson
0: with listeners in 179 countries from Jamaica to Bulgaria.
1: So how often do you think about how mental health impacts your work? Do you or someone close to you have to deal with mental health issues? Where you work, what is the attitude of your organization towards the topic of mental health? Is it something that even comes up? How would you respond to a colleague being open about their problems? These are just some of the topics that we're going to tackle with today's guest.
0: And today's guest is Jennifer Akulian, who is the founder and executive coach at the Growth Coaching Institute. Jen is a thought leader and international speaker on the topic of mental health in tech and works to bring education and awareness to the tech community and reduce the stigma around mental illness. We invited her to share some of her thoughtful insights and advice. So, Jen, um,
1: tell us a little bit um, about what got you personally into the topic of of mental health for for tech or for designers?
2: Sure. So my background is I'm a psychologist. So I earned my PhD in psychology in 2009 and for a number of years, practiced public mental health. Um, And to be honest, uh, it was really difficult and I burned out. Um, After about seven years, I was looking for a different setting to work in, a different population to work with. Um, And just through some connections, I was introduced to a CEO at a tech startup in San Francisco who was interested in hiring a psychologist to work internally with the company and develop a coaching program for all employees. Um, and so, that's, that's what got me introduced to um, the world of the industry of technology. Um, and I started doing that, um, moved to San Francisco, started working with this team of about 50 people, and uh, for a number of years was doing one-on-one coaching with, um, with that team uh, at the startup. And while I was getting introduced to um, the industry and the field and the people, I started recognizing um, this uh, this realization that mental illness was actually a, a much bigger issue in the tech population um, than I would have guessed. And the more I kind of dug in and started working with different organizations like Open Sourcing Mental Illness and MH Prompt, um, I, you know, just dove deeper into this and started doing more advocacy work and realized even more the importance of the work I was doing from the coaching perspective, you know, for this team of people.
1: Do, so do, um, is it actually shown that the, the tech industry has a higher rate of mental health issues than some other industries?
2: Absolutely. So this is what's really interesting. Um, so or- open sourcing mental illness is a nonprofit organization in the States that does um, some advocacy work around mental illness and in, in this industry. Um, and one piece of it is research. So starting in 2014, um, they developed a survey that was distributed to um, within the tech industry, um, looking at different aspects of mental illness. Um, they repeated this um, most recently this survey in 2016. Um, And to give you an idea, they had about 1,600 um, respondents to this survey um, within the tech tech population. And what they found when asking, um, have you ever been diagnosed with a a mental health condition by a medical professional, so a true mental illness, um, we found that 51% of the respondents um, endorsed this as yes. So to give you an idea of um, what this looks like relative to the general population, um, the general population has about um, a one in five or a 20% prevalence of mental illness. Um, And so the difference between 20% in the general population and 50 plus percent in the uh, the tech industry is very alarming. Um, and this is, you know, one of the reasons we continue to do the work in this area.
1: I mean, that's, that, that's really fascinating. I know that the figures here in Sweden for, for, for mental health, um, th- there you see um, that more females, also the percentage of, of females reporting mental health issues is slightly higher than, than males. So, so when you think about the tech industry as, as historically being quite male dominated, especially when it comes to developers, then it, it surprises me even more to see such high figures. Yeah, um, Coming from the U.S.,
0: the U.S. Absolutely. And that makes me, of course, want to ask why? What, what, what patterns are you seeing? Why, why is the tech industry especially, uh, well, concerned about this?
2: So um, the short answer is we don't know yet. The research yeah. is very preliminary, um, you know, even around um, different areas within tech, like what is the prevalence look like for designers or developers? We just don't know yet. Um, But we have some theories. Um, So one of the theories, um, well, I should back up a little bit. First of all, mental illness is predominantly um, a genetic disorder. It's something you find, um, you know, running in family histories. Um, But it is very highly impacted by environmental factors, too, like trauma growing up. So it's not, you know, it's not um, just genetic, but um, you do expect there to be some either family history or traumatic event when, when you see this pop up in people. One of the theories is that the the people that are working in tech right now have a very unique lifestyle to people working in more mainstream jobs. Um, one of them being that I'm sure you've recognized is that we tend to work um, very much in isolation. Um, So we have a lot of developers who, you know, work from home, or even if they are in an office, they're, you know, in a corner on a computer with headphones and don't have a lot of human interaction. Um, So this is something that we think contributes to maybe the already underlying prevalence of mental illness that might be found in this population. We're not sure if you know people um, with sort of this um, this this mental illness history are drawn to tech, or some people suggest that maybe people once they get into tech are Um, developing mental illnesses because of the industry. Um, I point out the sort of the background of genetics environmental um, earlier because um, it's probably not a situation where people are joining tech, they're going into engineering, into developing, you know, and then developing mental illnesses. That's probably not true. Um, But one thing, and you alluded to this earlier, that's important to recognize is that burnout looks a lot like mental illness. So the, the chemical kind of compositions in our brain of norepinephrine and dopamine and serotonin which are often impacted with uh, mental illnesses especially mood disorders which are are found one of the top um, diagnoses within the tech population from the survey.
0: We always as designers want to ask why and understand but maybe that's not what we should be focusing on but instead this is prevalent in the tech industry how whether do cook, whether have, it's yeah, yeah
2: whether it's I want to point out yeah. whether it's burnout mm. or a true mental mm. illness it looks very similar it's impacting people in a very similar way yeah. and so regardless of what it is um, it's a big issue that needs to be addressed
1: exactly. I think that that, that makes me wonder. to ask and like we say mental health issues but what kind of things are we, are we actually talking about with that phrase
2: So I can tell you exactly from the research that we do have so far. Um, So mental health issues or mental health conditions or mental illnesses, when I'm saying those things, I'm referring to a diagnosed uh, mental impairment by a medical professional. And um, the the top diagnoses that we found in the tech population from these surveys is a mood disorder. Um, So this includes depression and bipolar, among others. So about 73% of those that endorse that they do have. Have a mental illness um, were found to have a mood disorder. About 60% were found to have an anxiety disorder, and this includes generalized anxiety, social anxiety, phobias, and obviously 70% plus 60% isn't uh, equal to 100, and this is because of um, dual diagnoses, so co- comorbid conditions. Um, So looking beyond that, about 20% have been diagnosed with an attention deficit disorder and about 12% with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and about 8% with obsessive compulsive disorder. And again, some people are going to be diagnosed with um, more than one of these reoccurring.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's an important point. That actually, when you think of people, tend to have several of these. uh, Yes,
2: yep, that's a very common thing, especially with uh, mood disorders and anxiety disorders, (gasps) or uh, mood disorders or anxiety disorders with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Those are pretty common comorbid disorders to see.
1: So, so when we've got so we've got the the diagnosed mental health issues, but then as you mentioned, that like burnout or some of the kind of um, stress. Provoking or, or anxiety causing um, environments we we have in our workplace uh, visualize themselves very in very similar ways. If we if we then think about how can we help people we work with um, with mental health, can we can we do things that help both groups, both the diagnosed and non-diagnosed?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one one thing is around expectations for sure, and. Um, it, it really comes down to the organization and how they're willing to work with the fact that, for example, um, developers fail a lot, okay? This contributes to burnout. There are a lot of jobs where you work as hard as developers do and have things just constantly breaking and failing. And it kind of takes a toll on you and it definitely contributes to burnout. So, you know, some of it is helping support our employees that do work really hard that do work really long hours um, and are constantly sort of exposed to this this system of failure And, and, you know, just looking at expectations or work hours can help with that. And again, like whatever we're doing for, for burnout is also helping people with mental illnesses. What we're doing for people with mental illnesses is helping with burnout because they do look so similar. Um, so there are a number of different things that I recommend when I go around to different companies or conferences to help with, um, some of these areas. I do work with, um, HR and executives for putting in place things like a mental health policy for employees. And then I work with developers and designers and, and you know, people across the, across the organization um, about things that they can do for themselves and that they can do for others as well.
0: So what should organizations do? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, well, how do I even know if people around me have mental health issues if they don't feel comfortable talking about it and don't know? I'm not certain I would know how to respond in a good way.
2: Yeah, it is, it is really complicated because what I've found from sort of informally surveying a lot of people in tech is that they don't trust um, their HR and their executives. They don't feel comfortable, you know, going to them and disclosing that they have a mental health issue. Um, they're concerned that then their performance will, um, you know, be attributed to this and that they can be fired for it. Um, There's actually, at least in the United States, a lot of protections against firing um, or discriminating against someone with a mental illness. But that doesn't change the fact that people, you know, don't feel comfortable disclosing that. And that really comes down to stigma. Right. There's a really big stigma around the world, around mental illness, um, and people just don't want to be stigmatized. Um, So one thing that. organizations can do is they can talk about it with their employees so often this is something that just no one talks about kind of like don't bring up don't talk about um and just by opening the conversation especially if it's um if it's uh, kind of directed by the executive saying like, you know, this is okay, we know this is happening, here are the ways that we are going to support you. Um, I've worked with a lot of executives who have chosen to disclose to their employees that they struggle with a mental illness, which is um, that self-disclosure is actually shown in the research to be a really great way to help break the stigma. Um, and yeah. to encourage other people to step forward and get get self, um, help themselves. Um, so just opening the conversation, starting the conversation within the company is a really big aspect. Um, there are other things that um, organizations can do through their HR teams, like implement a mental health policy um, that will explain, for example, sort of like a mission, vision, values of what they want that to look like in the workplace. It can go through different accommodations or tweaks to the environment or expectations um, that can be put in place for employees to support them. And then also um, programming, so specific programs that you have for your employees um, to support them. Um, A a final piece that I, Insist be included in in um, organizations' mental health policies are an overview of benefits. So um, when I when I make these with other companies, I make sure that they very clearly list out. You know, if you have this plan, this is your copay for therapy. This is your copay for a psychiatrist. This is what your meds cost. This is what inpatient outpatient looks like. So an employee can go right to the handbook, right to the policy, and be like, oh, like you know, $15, I can see a, I see a therapist, and they don't have to call their benefit provider and look it up and go through that hassle. Um, so that's another big thing that organizations can do to support their employees. My
0: theory then is, so if organizations are, are more welcoming, more open, talk about it, discuss it with their employees, have support programs, they actually lessen the symptoms of the mental health issues. So, but if you are always stressed about it, don't want to disclose it because you're afraid of being fired of course that heightens your symptoms right absolutely uh, so it's it's actually really about taking care of your employees so they can do a better job
2: absolutely and it's interesting mm-hmm. because uh mm-hmm. you know my my perspective is if you're running a company you want your employees to be happy because you mm-hmm. care about your employees but even if you're really selfish and you're running a, a company and you don't care about the happiness of your employees, it's to your benefit mm. to offer these kind of supports because there's a huge yeah. relationship between productivity and job retention and burnout and mental illness. So, you know, people who are who are less happy are less productive and more likely to leave their jobs you know and retention is a big thing in tech we want to keep our employees Mm. and we want them to be as productive as they can be so even if it's very selfish for the needs of your company it's in your best interest to provide these kinds of supports yeah
1: Mm
0: -hmm. really good point
1: yeah i mean i think um i mean here in sweden we've 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 got quite a good culture or supposedly good culture at um, at allowing people kind of time and space to recover from things or, you know, we we, we don't maybe, um, we are seen as maybe punishing people in the same way as it can be seen in the USA when you kind of count down how many sick days you've taken and they count them as holidays and so on. Mm. Um, But my experience here is that even though we've got a more um, accepting culture around being off to recover, um, that many times... Um, management maybe don't deliver on changing environments to make sure it doesn't happen again.
2: So like if an employee's burning out and leaves, like what have we done to change for the future employees?
1: Mm, yeah, or yeah, exactly. Like you maybe kind of they, they have time off work to recover, but when they come back, they're right. not always convinced that the environment's changed in a way which yeah. Would properly eliminate or you know really reduce the chances of it happening again, and when we do i mean i've 've had colleagues and people that have been been burnt out more than once, um, which I think is you know where I get the thinking from that it doesn't it doesn't vanish after once it mm-hmm. stays around
2: with that said, you know I mentioned earlier that um, there's this culture of failure right and very long yeah. hours and the expectations at some of these companies are really high, and the you know the executives they might not have the ability to say like oh we're just going to push deadlines back and we're going to tell you guys to work less hours. Um, so while that may might not be a possibility, um, you know giving people time off is even more important because yes someone might be approaching burnout and then you know their manager tells them like take a few days off or take a week off. And that will restore them enough so that when they come back, they're not right at that point of burnout again. It might take a few more months or something before they get there again. So, you know, the the importance of, um, of giving time off to recover, especially after a big deadline or a big project where you've been working a lot of hours is really, really crucial, you know, if you don't want to lose your employees to burnout.
1: I wonder if um, we also maybe need to be... Um better at helping each other when it, when it comes to the burnout aspect or or you know heightened anxiety and stress that we may be better at supporting each other when someone um is trying to flag that maybe something is going too fast or is you know, showing signs that this is becoming too much, that we maybe need to be better at, at supporting them and saying, yeah, no, I think it, this will take longer than you're expecting or it's unrealistic that we do
2: this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one of the things that I, uh, I still coach now, I coach through my own company, so I work with uh, a bunch of different teams at different companies around the world, Um, but you know one one of the many benefits of coaching is that I will work with a whole engineering team that meaning like I'll work one-on-one with each of the people on that team and I can get a very good grasp of how the team is doing Um, you know and if the team does look like they're burning out or people are really struggling you know I can go to the manager without disclosing any names or information because it's completely confidential but be like look your team your team is really struggling your team is burning out like they need a break once you've hit this milestone, once you've hit this mm-hmm. benchmark, um, you know, and that's kind of a, a way of giving more insight for, to the managers that they might not get otherwise, because not all employees feel comfortable going to their manager and telling them like, hey, I'm burning out. And aside from that, a mm-hmm. lot of people don't realize that they're burning out. So uh, that could just be a, you know, a helpful piece uh, to mm-hmm. the organization.
1: I do you, do you find it's um it's an advantage not having the 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 technical background when you do your work? Um, like, yeah,
2: it's a good question. I do. I do. Um it's definitely not necessary. Um you know, I'm not providing advice on what to do technically. That's not my role. Um and so it kind of prevents me from going down these rabbit holes of um you know, technical work, I guess, that someone, you know, a VP of engineering might, might go down in a coaching conversation with the same employee. So I really focus on, you know, the well-being, how you're doing, how you want to grow, how you want to be a better human, um, which doesn't need to get into like what technical piece is breaking right now and how am I going to fix it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've seen actually more people talking about and doing now is check-ins, So check-ins at the start of meetings to just get a feel for how people are doing. And uh, it can be simple things such as how are you feeling and draw on a post-it a weather symbol, that short sort of a symbol. And you don't have to comment it. You can just show it and people just register that maybe (laughs) this is a rainy day for you. And that's, that's, that's great because that means you don't have to talk about your issues, but you can actually make people aware of how you're feeling anyway. Absolutely. I
2: I am a big advocate of this. Um, My favorite tool is is actually, I call it a stoplight. So at at the beginning of meetings, I encourage managers or executives to do the stoplight exercise where they basically go around the room and say like, how are you doing? Are you red, yellow or green? And like you said, people can just say, yep, I'm in the red today. They don't have to share anything else. Or they can say like, oh, I'm kind of yellow today. I didn't sleep very well last night. I got into a big argument with my girlfriend, you know. And just being able to share that by itself um, is really important because, again, a big percentage of the population we're talking about tends to be more introverted and not as vocal with other people. So sharing is a big part of that, but then the rest of the team knows like, Oh, you know, Joe's in the red today. Like, you know, I need to be extra sensitive with him and, you know, maybe not ask too much of him today, you know, or, you know, Jamie's in the green, like, this is a great day to go ask him for help. Um, So it can, you know, it serves, uh, serves several, um, um, several different benefits, um, you know, if someone's in the red consistently, um, their manager probably is going to want to check in with them and see yeah. how they're doing, which again, like you mm-hmm. wouldn't have any of that knowledge without doing the silly little exercise of the beginning of meetings. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's a, they're both wonderful examples of how you can you can surface empathy, or you make Absolutely. make things more on the surface so that it's easier to take in as a as, as another human being, because it's not always easy to read people. And not everyone has equally good skills in reading.
0: So what I'm hearing is that there is only a win-win situation here. That the company will benefit, individuals would benefit, uh, even if they are selfish, as you put it. <laughs> uh, which means that. We should be focusing so much more on this and actually helping people feel better.
2: Absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, wh- whatever your motivations are, whether they're, you mm. know, because you want your your organization to be more successful through productivity and job retention, or you just want to take care of your people and you are invested in them being their best selves and happy, it's... Um, you know it's to your benefit to provide these supports at the same time. You're, you know, you're supporting, you're accommodating people with a disability with mental illnesses, um, and you're accommodating people uh, for burnout, which is very prevalent in this industry, especially.
0: I learned so much. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, Jennifer.
2: You're so welcome. Thanks for having yeah.
0: me. Thanks, Jen. Episode 185.
1: I asked. Kelly Santiago, um, with a with a wonderful project that she had with with producing Journey, the game Journey, was there anything that they did wrong? And the answer that Kelly gave us was, "Yeah, we were all terribly burnt out by the end." And I went on to say, "Well, if we skip the whole personal personal health issues thing, my God, what a successful project!" And hmm. oh looking back, we shouldn't maybe have been that flippant.
0: No, actually, it was even worse than that because when we were talking in the out show, I mean, we had we had picked up on that. She said, well, we burned out. And I think she actually sort of laughed her on it because it's, it's uncomfortable to, to say something like that. And uh, I said something along the lines of uh, because we were talking about what an exciting and fantastic project it was. And it was hugely successful and working on something like that it's almost like you want to burn out because we had picked up on it. and you're yeah, prepared to burn out. Yeah. yeah. Listening back to when we, actually somebody called us out on it and uh, I didn't at, at first understand why we were called out until I listened back and to my horror realized what I had said because that's something I really don't stand for. I'll own that I said it, but it's really something I did not stand for and it made me feel really bad about talking about it in that <laughs> flippant way.
1: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> same for me. I mean, I, mm. my instant response when we got some feedback was, mm. "God, no, we, 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 we really weren't trying to belittle, you know, mm. mental health and and, and burnout." Um, mm. And I listened back as well, and I thought, "God, yeah, no, that's actually ev- almost even worse that we asked, I asked the question and got the answer, and we didn't, you know, we laughed about it, like you said, um, mm. and uh, we, you know, that that means we're not taking mental health issues seriously enough." Um, no, we chose. We got. We got the answer. We chose to ignore it, and you know, pat, pat everyone on the back and said how good we are for such a great project, even mm. though
0: people got burnt out. And um, that is exactly what Jennifer has just been talking uh, to us about. Is that there's there's a culture where you actually are expected to work long hours often to get projects done for a deadline. Even if, it's not, work, if you
1: know, it's not long hours, Per, I mean, here in Sweden, mm. I wouldn't say that, uh, well, maybe, I wouldn't say generally we work really, really, really long hours, um, unless you're in the startup scene, possibly, mm. but yeah. but still, we've, we've got this, this breakneck pace in which I think we're expected to work at now, um, yeah. which might be the result of Agile and, and the kind of iterative way of working, perhaps, but but we still got a lot of pressure on us to, to, to deliver.
0: And when I was listening to her, it actually made me think a lot about uh, ethics issues, which is always top of mind for me now. Is Because when you're not at the top of your game, when you are dealing with these issues, and that's why I brought up that actually if the companies help people uh, feel comfortable sharing how they feel, then the symptoms will actually be less than they, w- they are if you don't feel comfortable sharing. Uh, which means that if you are not comfortable sharing... Uh, you actually could possibly put others at risk because of the way you work. You make decisions that are not the best for other people as well. So actually, it, it creates an evil cycle of people feeling bad, not making the best decisions, and then that will affect others and impact others as well. Yeah. If,
1: if no one if no one talks about it, mm-hmm. then there's that mm-hmm. kind of silent um, acceptance, or you know, you start to think that well, no one else ent- no one else is mentioning it, so it must be just me. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind yeah. of like just bite your tongue or, or buckle down and get on with it. And, and I I watched um, mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the talks that Jennifer had, had, had given and she she opens up with with um, ask, asking people, you know, how many out there wear glasses or have kind of you know, issues with mm-hmm. their vision and people with their hands up. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, how many of you who have glasses have been told um, to try harder to cure your vision?
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
1: And goes on to kind of like, uh, yeah. you know to make the connection then yeah. to to mental health issues and and how uh, y- how could you possibly be expected to like try harder to to cure your um, your mental health issues or or anxiety or stress and yeah. and things um and that that was that was something that's kind of oh yeah that's um oh that's, that's a so really good way of framing it
0: and I liked what you said also about how if people are actually off work because they are burned out or close to burning out and they come back and they don't have that support uh actually it be different so that actually they are helped when they are back at work I'm now thinking of open space offices where there's so much sound your glasses made me think of that people have headphones on there's sound everywhere Uh, people are shuffling papers coughing talking on the phone and if you have issues with sensory overload with all your senses tingling (laughs) uh, that can be such a huge uh, uh, take a huge toll on how you feel and then you just crash when you come home. Yeah. Well, absolutely.
1: And I mean, I think that mm-hmm. we've got this whole thing where where mm. you know, we're expected now teams are supposed to sit together, work together and so mm. on because it's it's best mm. for the team. The team is more effective. Mm. Um and I wonder how much of the of the individual we're we're, we're losing sight of with those kind yeah. of um you know, blanket answers that say teams work best in in you know, when they sit together and or, you know, open spaces. Um mm. That's uh, oh, that's interesting to reflect on. Um, mm. I and I, I love the I love the example of the kind of like the weather forecast. Um, yeah, I think, and I'd love to be able to start using. I mean, I'm going to try and maybe start using that in in some situations and meetings because, um, I yeah, I know that some people are are not as good at. Talking about these things or explaining these things, and you d- you don't need to know the reason. I mean, you can have a whole diff- I mean, a massive list of uh, different reasons why you aren't on top of your game today. Um, yeah. And it's perfectly okay that it's no one else's business. But when you have to work with people, then it will be a healthier working environment if someone's just aware that today maybe isn't your best day for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, it and just it's a almo- also a way of unloading. What you're carrying, because I know that when I come to work and I've had a bad morning, and somebody at work has the time to listen to me, unload for five minutes, I feel so much better. And if we can help more people unload with these simple, simple exercises, then everyone will feel so much better.
1: Yeah, I think as well the whole the whole Mm. fear of failure thing, or the fact that Mm. we're. I mean, it was it was interesting what Jen said about how what we work with has. So much failure built into it, um, mm. and and we've talked about this that you you know we have to be better at um, at saying that it's okay to fail. But mm. I hadn't maybe reflected on just how much failure we're exposed to, um, mm. and how and how failure is a is a fundamental building block of what we do. That you know we know full well that it's it's rare that a design is perfect first time round no yeah. no matter how much research we do it's always very very difficult to 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 make it problem free because people are people people are humans and humans are individuals mm-hmm. so there's always going to be something and you, you talk about um you know, inclusiveness or exclusiveness there's going to be someone maybe who's excluded anywhere even if you've got what seems like a perfect solution so we're we're constantly yeah. exposed to failure and that must that must actually put a lot of burden on us mm. generally even if we don't have diagnosed mental health issues.
0: Wow, Uh, this can lead to a lot of introspection, I hope. I'm really glad we did the episode.
1: I am too. Yeah,
0: so thank you for spending this time with us. And uh, as always, links and notes from this episode can be found on uxpodcast.com.
1: If you um, want something to listen to next, then probably a really good episode after this one would be episode 106, where we talk about imposter syndrome with Amy Silvers and Laurie (laughs) Cavalucci.
0: Remember to keep moving.
1: See you on the other side. (laughs)
0: Who's there? Lena. Lena who? Lena a little bit closer and I'll tell you.
1: See, this is where we need this is where we need video because I actually did lean into the camera.